Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. And now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and I am here doing it old school with John Astronomy. We're out at a bar. We've been drinking. How are you? I'm doing great. Mark Striegel, <laughs> rock and roll so forever. This bar, this bar used to be called 7B, B. but now it, it's a little different. Uh, it's changed since back in the day. It has changed. I am watching the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of plasma. My favorite team on the screens. How are when doing? I say screens... I say there's multiple screens. They're doing great. They're winning. They're beating the Panthers 31-14. Well, John, on this episode, we have... Yeah, Ghost Dealers, definitely. We have Scott from Skeleton Witch. They have a great new record out, Devouring Radiant Light, one of my favorites of the year. And another one that's going to be probably on my top ten for the year uh, is an album called I Love You at Your Darkest, and it is by a band called Behemoth. And we are joined once again... By their leader, I guess I'd call him Nurgle. Who Nurgle is last amazing. time we interviewed Nurgle, it was you and I on his tour bus, and at the end of the interview, we did shots with him. I love that Nurgle. I always remember and the Emily great did shots interview with, him with too. Nurgle. She was there too. Emily, you did shots with him too, yeah. <laughs> and see, Nurgle and I share the Polish heritage. Yes. So, so and that's I, a, a, an amazing. You know, how do you, what do you call that? We got a bond. Yeah. We got a bond. Uh, yeah. Plus, we yeah. love metal, and and, and yeah. anybody who loves metal. And as, I, li- I think Emily may have Emily said that. Here. Anybody who loves metal. Hey, guys. What's up? You know, anybody who loves metal deserves to be heard. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we're going to get right into these interviews, but I first want to mention what we were doing here. Lynn is here with us. Emily's here with us. We are kind of coming from... Uh, what would I call it, a melon, melancholy event? Yes. Um, which was a celebration of a friend of yours, a guy we had on Talking Metal. We did an excellent interview with him, by yes. the way. no doubt about YouTube, it. On YouTube, which I'm going to link through today's show notes. It is so good. I watched it recently. His name was Todd Youth. 
he recently passed away. He most recently had been playing with Nick Oliveri from Queens of the Stone Age in a band called... We had our our pilot episode of Talking Metal. Yeah, our pilot TV show in the band Blood Clot. He played with... What a diverse guy he was. He played with Glenn Campbell. Yes. Ace. Ace. He played with Murphy's Law. He played with Danzig. I mean, the list goes on and on. Chrome Locus, you know, it just goes on and on. Cheap Trick, he, I think he yeah, wrote he, a song he played, with Cheap yeah, Trick. Yeah. And, he, and here's what people don't know. There's a lot that you don't know that Todd Ghost played on a lot of major really? records wow. for a lot of artists, including a lot of bands with younger, I would say younger guitar players and... They may have not been as proficient in the studio as a guy like Dave Murray would have been. So what do they do when a big-time producer uh, is producing a record? They let the other guy play the part, and then they call in Todd Youth, and he redoes it. It's really amazing. And this is something I don't even know if we ever discussed this on Talking Metal. But Todd Youth would go in and replay the parts of bands. And sometimes the bands don't know that Todd went in and redid their parts. Really? That's amazing. How funny wow. is that? And are these big time bands you're talking about? Big time bands. Wow. I'm talking like, I don't know the you know official names, and I, even if I did, I wouldn't say, but I'm talking like major bands that have big hits, and instead of their guitar players, Todd Youth went in, redid their parts, and the guitar players don't even know that it wasn't them on the record. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of people at this memorial, a lot of New York rock and roll staples like Jesse Mallon, uh, Trigger, who ran the the club, the Continental, Noel, who was a sound man at the Continental for a long time and has recently been on tour with bands like Dinosaur Jr. and Monster Magnet. It was a celebration of Todd Youth's life. Uh, the chick from what Cycle Sluts from Hell yep. was there. I, so many others that we're not mentioning, but Todd Youth will be mi- missed. I know you worked with him closely when he was in Ace, Ace's band. Yeah. And Todd, what was his history with Ace? Just because I know we have so many Kiss fans that listen so, to this. So Todd was brought into Ace's band by Anthony Esposito. After was an Anomaly amazing, was recorded? Yeah, after Anomaly. Right. And. Anthony is amazing. He's currently working with Jakey Lee, right, in Red Dragon Cartel, and um, he brought Todd a new in. Record Patina, yeah, Patina. yeah, new record, Patina. new record, Patina, and, yeah, Patina, yeah. and brought Todd in, which I thought was amazing because I thought this is the first time that Ace had a guy in his band who was. See, I'm learning something. I didn't know Esposito brought. Yeah, brought, Anthony brought, brought Todd, Todd in. in. Wow, and and. And for me, when I heard Todd was in, I was like, oh, my God. Ace has got, like, a guy that I consider, like, one of these cool guys from the, the New York scene yeah. in yeah, in the band. And and what, what was amazing for me was to realize that Todd was, out of all those guys, the guy, like, one of the guys that I bonded with more than any of the other guys. Yeah. So Todd who I always thought of some super hipster cool guy was more down to earth than anybody else. Yes. Yeah. And what's really funny is there was a incident, uh, not an incident, like not a negative incident, but a situation in Pittsburgh where my parents had to uh, transport Todd somewhere. And Todd became, I don't even think I was in the vehicle, and Todd became friends with my mom. 
and wow. dad and 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 they and Todd told them all about some of the times he had with Glenn Campbell and how his parents really liked that and uh, they be, they became real big fans of Todd. Well, I know Todd's so, dad. He said in the interview that we did with him right. that he had done all this stuff. Danzig. He toured with Motorhead. He, you know, all this, all this stuff. And it wasn't until that he got the gig with Glenn Campbell. You know, kind of country legend from, you know, this what late sixties through the seventies right. that his dad was like, well, you finally made it. You know, yep. yeah, with the Glenn Campbell yeah. gig. And and Todd was amazing in that. And by the way, guys. I just want to let you know, Todd was playing a baritone guitar, as far as I believe. Maybe a silver tone or uh, something similar to that. And just was amazing and all that Glenn Campbell stuff. And and then, uh, my history extends even past A stuff. I tour managed Todd's other band, really? Chelsea Smiles, for one gig. And it was an amazing gig, What's opening that? for... Guns and Roses. Emily and I were at that show. Remember? Do you remember yeah. the Chelsea Smiles opening for Guns and Roses? That was at Terminal. F- yeah, five. Terminal Five or one of those West Side bars. Yes, and we sat by. Um, oh my God, we sat right by BB Buell, and didn't she turn around and say hi to us? Yes, she did. And that's and amazing. Hugged, and she was. She hugged us and stuff, and she remembered that's that so we cool. interview her yeah, on Talking I Metal. Remember, yeah, I um, remember. I remember. I saw our, our good friend. Um, Sex Kitten. <laughs> right, Sex her? Kitten. Uh, yeah, of course. I love her. I love her. From uh, the Guns N' Roses forums, and uh, that was a great gig. And That's not the I one mean, that killed herself, right? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no that was it. There was some girl from the Bumblefoot and Talking Metal forums that killed herself. I, yes. forgot, I forgot her name. but Yeah, yeah that yeah. was a, a, a different girl who, um, she was a guest on Talking Metal. She was? We've had numerous guests. We've had a bunch of guests. I mean, yeah, Todd, you crazy. Inc- yeah. included. We've had at least a half dozen guests. No, the, 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 the person I was referring to is a very successful uh, designer in clothing, right. and Sex she's doing great. Right. I don't. I want to get. I don't want to um, uh, get her in trouble. So right. I'm just gonna say she's doing awesome, and she's rocking and rolling all night long, every day, as they say, every day. <laughs> Way. I, I remember you tour managing for Chelsea. Yeah, Sp- the so that was Chelsea amazing Smiles, thing. Yeah. So here's what's so funny is that Todd Youth, and this is before I even understood exactly what I did, but he trusted me to handle that G&R yeah, yeah. gig, which is a big gig for was a big his gig band for him, yeah. at that time. And um, that was even a separate thing. It had nothing to do with Ace, really. And I, I just, I'm blown away, Mark, the way I'd be blown away if one of our, not one of our rock star friends passed away, but one of our closer friends, like the people that we went to college with or the people that we grew up with passed away, and it's right. freaking me out. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's freaking me out. I hear you. And, and I, I don't know how to handle that, and I'm telling you this right on Talking Metal. I don't know how to process that. It's tough to process, and, and he was a young man todd youth the talented man so diverse from from the new york hardcore scene to the the country music scene to the classic rock scene this guy did it all let's listen to the chelsea smiles right here on talking metal this is nowhere ride
with Rest in Peace. That's Nowhere Ride by the Chelsea Smiles. We just came from his memorial service at Niagara, and uh, we are around the corner at a club that bar that used to be 7B. I don't know what it's called now. Do you? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. I know they're showing football, yeah. and um, let's get back to Todd uh, and the people he played with. Todd was an amazing musician. Uh, one of the bands that he played with was called Degeneration. Degeneration was amazing. He didn't play on the first record, but he joined them later. Yeah. I'm not sure who he replaced. He then pl- took Howie Pyro with him to play with Danzig, Danzig. for a while. Howie Correct. Pyro was part of uh, Degeneration. He had a great band, which is very hard to locate their music, but they were called Chrome Locus. Yep. They were they were a classic rock guy. Uh, Classic rock guy. Classic rock style now, Jim band. Jim Hannigan was part of Chrome yes, Locust, Yes, yes. He, he, I believe, did some, some of the, he did the bass and some of the vocals. I think Todd did some of the vocals. Todd Youth was a very diverse guy from punk to metal to rock and roll to country. He did yep. it all, and he is a great loss. And I, I knew him just a little bit from meeting him through you, but he was a friend of yours, and John, my, yeah. my, my condolences. Uh, Thanks, Mark. He's Thank a guy you who, so much. who trusted you, obviously. He did. Uh, he really did. And um, I remember one Christmas, and I I, I I even feel a little bit bad about this because uh, Todd had a, an issue with his uh, flights and some other things, and he was having something else going on, and, and I was working with him on that, and um, it kind of took over my whole Christmas one year. And right. I just, uh, I wish that, uh, and here's one of those things that it says if, if you know somebody who might need help with something, right. reach out to them. Right. Because, but at that time, of course, Todd had no uh, indication of uh, any of that stuff. But, right. And I, I don't even know the details yeah. of right. what's happening. But um, yeah, what happened Todd then? was just a, a great guy who was a close friend of mine and, I have to say, I, I'm not handling this properly. Well, I'm sorry for your loss due to Talking Metal Toast Thank and you. Mr. Todd Youth. And we're, now we're going to get into some Talking Metal interviews. Up first, this is the one and only Nurgle. Uh, friends with uh, the Cardinal, Cardinal Copia from Ghost, wow. by the way. Very close friends with him, I believe. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but I, from what I understand, he is. And this song is called God Equals Dog, followed by my interview with Nurgle. This was recorded on October 31st, Halloween. What better day than Halloween to record an interview with Nurgle from Behemoth. And this is off their great new record, I Loved You at Your Darkest. It really is a freaking phenomenal record. You should check it out. Extreme blackened death metal at its greatest. This is Behemoth.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we're welcoming back to the show Nurgle of Bohemoth. Nurgle, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm actually in Boston, where we're having a day off today. One week into the tour, things are great. Cool, cool. And the new album is just awesome. I mean, a masterpiece, really. I loved you at your darkest. Great, well, great stuff. You. I'm really enjoying it. And I want to get into some of the stuff you, you talk about and sing about on the album. But but first of all, going back to 2014 when The Satanist came out, I mean, there was talk, and I, I think it may have even came from you, I'm not sure, but that that may have been the last Behemoth album. And I was just wondering if uh, at that time you felt like you had another album in you. No, at that time I was completely blank. I was I was out of any ideas. I had no idea what... Um, uh, you know, which direction, which way I would or should go after the Satanist. I mean, on one hand, it felt like, you know, we can go anywhere. But at that time, I was completely, I was, I was, I was in, you know, in, in oblivion. It was, right. there was nothing there. And I just decided just to take it day by day and just tour the record and, uh, and see what what happens, you know. Just go with the flow. And in the meantime, I did me and this man album, which I guess helped me out to kind of revive myself and and uh, and come back, you know, to, to the behemoth camp, like super excited and passionate about making new music. Uh, so I guess that was the point. That was, that felt very um, natural for me, like to you know to to make things that way. Right. And that album was very different. So I guess maybe that was kind of a, a liberating thing for you. It, it was allowed you to express other parts of your Absolutely. creativity. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? I mean, uh, like I remember when we did the Satanist, there was this, you know, Father Satan sound, there's this uh, singing part in the yeah. background. It's like a male choir uh, in the very background of the, of the, um, of the verse. And I didn't do it myself. I just asked a friend of mine to, uh, you know, to sing it for me because I was just, you know, I wouldn't even dare to do that. While this time I was like, okay, I mean, there's parts that kind of require semi-singing, semi-choirs and stuff. And I just decided to do it myself. And I think I really like pulled it off like pretty good. And like songs like Barzabella belong to my, you know, all time favorites from Behemoth Rooster. So, so I guess it's, yeah, it's, 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 the job was done well. Right on, right on. And the album of course opens up with Solve. And uh, then I guess two, two songs later we get into God equals dog. And one of the themes we hear on that is this, I shall not forgive, which sounds like it's being sung by kids. Uh, I think in both solve and God equals dog. Yeah. Is, is that the, yeah. do you have actual kids come into the studio to, to do that part? Yes. Um, we have the whole like kids choir. Oh, cool. Uh, being, yeah. Being part of that, um, of that, uh, experiment, so to say, because it was an experiment. But um, then again, you know, we, uh, I should kind of go back to me and that man, you know, because that's exactly, that's where I did that for the first time. Right. I used kids for the song, um, Cross My Heart and Hope to Die. And uh, and I really loved that experiment in the other band, you know, and I thought, oh, it's, it sounds awesome. It's, it's, it's good, you know, but 
I mean, as much as it, it fits the, the, the aesthetics of me and this man, I was like, ah, with the hemat, it might not work, or it might sound like very disturbing, which is actually the point why we play radical extreme music, because we want to disturb people. Right. I mean, the reason why we're playing this is not to make people feel comfortable, you know? I mean, <laughs> that's, I think, like, in the... It should be like the very source of like every every extreme art making, you know, every um, uh, like the main motive should be that, you know, just hey, I mean, we we need to shake the world, yeah. we need to make people uncomfortable and and make them think and just smack their faces, you know, and and just I just thought that confronting the quiet choir with with such an like extreme statement because it's some kind of like a statement invocation or prayer you name it and and i said and i think it just worked out amazing yeah it's it's incredible and immediately like you said it puts people outside their comfort zone and i think that's uh it's just a really strong way to open the album and again like i said you return to that theme in god equals dog when when you say i shall not forgive what are what are you actually getting at there? Do you believe in forgiveness? What are your thoughts on forgiveness? <laughs> uh, you got me. That's a tricky question. Yeah. Well, you know, the reason I wrote it is that it's just, you know, it's, it's a very, like, inversive statement, you know, that it just goes, very literally against uh, the, the Christian dogmas, and that's why I use that, you know. But in my in my daily life, I'm like I don't really want to use this uh, this Christian ter- uh, terminology here, you know. But like, if you really wanna if you really wanna live like a good life, you know, you better just fucking you just let it go, okay. You know, you have to let go. You have to, if you want to fly, if you want to just go further, and you don't, you don't need that extra baggage, you know. So in this case, what it means, you know, is like if you, if if lots of people like wrong you and stuff, you know, you, like the best way is just to, you know, just to Not to ignore them, but just to understand them and 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 somehow pity them, you know, pity them because they there must be like a lot of uh, people that are hurt and that are that have this immense pain, you know, within themselves, you know, and problems and issues, you know, that they try to project on other people, you know. So, like in most cases, you know, people have problems with you. It's not most cases. It's not that you are the problem. Is that people have problems that they project upon you. So what you can do, you can just try to understand them. And uh, I don't want to use the term forgive. Just, just be sympathetic. You know, just right. be sympathetic. And like in most cases, I'd be like thinking, "Hey, you know what? You're a fool, but so am I." And we just part of this universe. We just part of this life that you know you know maybe 50 or 80 years long and that's it and then we die and we both suffer <laughs> yeah i don't know if it makes sense you know but to me it does and uh, in the end of the day you know i really think like 
I mean, we're all going to die, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, I spoke with you back in 2007. It was actually when you were on OzFest. So it's been a while since we've spoken. Oh, wow. But at, at that time, one of the things we spoke about a lot was how people have this this need to to follow and they'd rather be told what to do than, than think for themselves. And I was just wondering these many years later, I mean, here we are, what, 11 years later, have have things gotten worse in in your mind? And I'm not just talking in the states. I'm talking globally. Are are people even less able to accept reality than they used to be? I guess so. I mean, um, like these days, we live in an era of populists, and with like, like a lot of like leaderships, uh, like yeah, um, leaders of like the big. Um, the biggest countries, like, are not even biggest countries, you know, like in Europe, we get like Poland, like countries like Poland or Hungary, you know, and you have like leaders that are being populist and they just win over. And uh, it, it proves again, you know, that people would just easily follow and they would, they, they want to hear what they want to hear, you know, and if they if you're like a good manipulator, you can, you can easily trick, like, you know, cheat them and, and make them follow. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. that's, I mean, I don't think that like people will really ch- change much throughout the years. You know, I think people are pretty much the same. It's just the circumstances that change and you think, oh, the world is getting worse and the world is getting this. No, I think, I honestly think that, that the world remains the same. Just things change, the tools change and, and times change, but like, Things have like same things happen basically, you know. If you look at the history in a wider picture, you you see that it just like wars. They did like it's on a repeat: wars, yeah. death, plagues, uh, disasters. People are born, people die. This this never changed. This and it's just you know the, the aesthetics around change, the circumstances change, but. You know, so I, I don't think like it's 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 different than like 600 years ago, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's also one of the main reasons why I why I would never say like to like to you know to to, to behemoth crowd, you know, yeah, follow me. No, I just I tell them think for themselves, think for yourself. You got your own brain. Yeah. Be your best friend and just just and don't even trust me, you know, just. Because I'm no uh, role model here, you know. I'm just trying to make my living, and I'm just trying to stay as free as us, independent in this world full of slavery of any kind. And it's very difficult, and I struggle. So, what I advise you: think for yourself and find your own ways. Don't follow me. Right on, right on. And I mean, you you have an incredibly devoted fan base. We've seen you on Instagram posting shots of their tattoos. They're, they're the best. Yeah, I mean, they're deeply touched by their by your art, and some of them claim it's it's saved their their lives. I mean, how how do you view your fan base? What is what is your relationship on a maybe even a spiritual level with them? I'm just touched, man. I'm just touched. Like yesterday, I met this uh, girl woman a fan and she said hey you saved my life and and then she elaborated a little bit like and, you know with the meeting which was done i just i listened to her for a little bit and 
she was like really like super honest when she said a year ago I I was about to commit suicide and, and your music you know your attitude just you know kind of spoke to me that I must carry on and uh and I have nothing I, I mean I have nothing to lose you know just you know but but trust these people when they say that why why they would even come to me and say things like that you know yeah so I really I I I I um I really think that they're like being sincere with me you know and it feels good it feels good because life is the highest value known yeah. to I don't know to, to me so so you know embrace it and cherish that you know it's amazing and and um it feels good, you know, because I know I'm I'm part of like a very vital energy, which like a vi- very like up- uplifting wave that is that behemoth is, and if and there's some there's people that feed on that, and it's good. Right on, right on. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you in New York City this Saturday. You will be rolling through. I think it's the Best Buy Theater. So. Uh, I cannot wait. And again, the new record, I loved you yeah. at your darkest. Just, I mean, the production and the the message, the lyrics, the whole package, I'm just really digging. I think it's such a powerful artistic statement. Awesome. Thank you so much. We were playing five songs of this new record. The, the, the set list is long. It's 18 minutes. We have new production. It's pretty fucking big. So I hope you'll dig it. Yeah, I'm sure I will. And, you know, we we saw you on the the Slayer tour earlier this year. So I'm looking forward to getting a lot more behemoth this Saturday night in New York city. Absolutely. And just know the fact that there is this, uh, our darkest exhibit in a left, right. Okay. Yeah. Just, just, you know, just make, make your note and, and be there because we're going to be there after the show. Oh, cool. And it's, yeah, it's the last rights. Uh, That's, is gallery. that Paul Booth? Paul, Paul Booth's yeah, place. Paul right? Booth's yeah. Gallery. Okay. Right. And we are having our exhibit there too. So, okay, if it's the place I'm thinking of, it's not far from where you guys are playing. I think it's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's Amazing. it's in the same neighborhood, Midtown Manhattan. There, so yeah, that sounds that that sounds awesome. Thanks for telling me about that. Awesome, cool, man. So we'll see each other there. Perfect. Okay, Nurgle, always a pleasure. See you Saturday. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Cheers.
school behemoth right there going back to 2004. Conquer all from the demigod record. I'm hanging with John Astronomy. Lynn, Emily is here. And you're on the podcast. Say no, hi, Lynn. Lynn is Quickly. shaking her head no. Peace. Peace. Into the peace. Mic. I like into that. The mic. Positivity. Peace. peace. She says peace. She's for peace in all countries and all languages and all styles of uh, the, the music industry. Cool. She, she wants the uh, the slight rockers to get along with the harder rockers and you know I'm kidding I'm just right. joking. No I hear you. Yeah. She, David she, Lee she, her friends she wants to see David Lee Roth uh, have a, a, a three way with uh, David Crosby. I'm kidding. Wow. Okay. Let's get back on to our Talking Metal show. <coughs> yeah. The Crosby, Stills, and Nash connection, yep. of course. Uh, was it Stephen Stills, Crosby, Stills, Nash? I actually want to see Ace do a Southern rock thing. I want him to get with Greg Allman's son and with Elijah. Um, right. Cher's son, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, Elijah Blue, right. Now, now in Sammy Hagar's book, it's not, it's not um, David Crosby. It's either Stephen Stills or Graham Nash. I believe it's Stephen Stills. Is is totally coked out in Sammy Hagar's book, and like <laughs> like would come to Cabo Wabo. Yeah, no, this is more recently, like wow. like ten years ago. Wow. And all he'd want is cocaine, and Hagar would <laughs> make quite, some calls. He, he was yeah. quite thin when I seen him in Charlottesville. Oh really? Yeah, he yeah. You got to read Sammy Hagar's book. Fantastic yeah. read. I think what is it called? The Red Rocker or something? I'm not sure. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we got to get into our final interview. This is with Scott from Skeleton Witch. Uh, great guy. And a, what a story this band has had. Just insane. And I have to say that guys from Skeleton Witch stopped by my desk because they're buddies with my coworker Matt Handley. And those guys are amazing. Yeah, they really and are. And I am big fans of the band. And I just saw them in a new issue of Guitar World magazine. Nice. Nice. This is When Paradise Fades by Skeleton Witch, followed by my interview with Scott from Skeleton Witch.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. And on the line, we have guitarist Scott Hedrick from Skeleton Witch. Scott, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Mark. I appreciate it. We're, we're doing a coast-to-coast call here from what your Jersey City, and I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah, man. Well, I'm actually outside of Jersey City, but I didn't. You, I was going to ask you where you are because you guys are originally from Ohio, right? Yes, we are. We we are all uh, Midwestern guys, and that sort of I, I think it's, it's formed our, our work ethic in the band. Uh, you know, it's 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 definitely similar soul to the earth type dudes from there. But now we are spread out all over the place. We've only got one guy still in Ohio, a guy in Minneapolis, a guy in Portland, Maine, and I'm in Los Angeles. Wow. So really all over the place. Yeah, so it's, it's a logistical nightmare for two of <laughs> Yeah. And when you guys get together to rehearse, where do you actually do it? Do you meet in the middle or do they come out to LA or what happens? Uh, we still, home base is still in Ohio. Ohio. It's just, we, we, it's not all growing up there and one guy still being there. It's just easier because it, it's cheaper. There's more space. Literally, there's more space for less money to utilize for rehearsing, for storing gear and everything. So, yeah, we sort of we we uh, we assemble uh, we assemble in Ohio, gear up for you know a week or so prior to a tour or recording or any like major you know undertaking, and sort of regroup, catch up, probably drink too many beers, and 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 uh, you know get caught up and then do, do the thing. Right on, and you know it's been. From what I've been reading, and and you know you can you can fill me in, but it sounds like it's been quite a quite a ride for you guys these last few years. I would think uh, emotionally, especially, and the new record is out now, "Devouring Radiant Light." I think it sounds fantastic, man. I I really really am enjoying what you're doing. I think you've gone a, a different place musically, and I think it's for the better. And I gotta congratulate congratulate you on this great new record. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Um, it, it, it truly does mean a lot to me. Uh, yeah, I personally, uh, within the band, you, you know, every band works differently. And with this particular record, I ended up writing more of the material than I normally would. And so some of the shifts and like long and some of the very, uh, uh, obvious, I guess, hallmarks of, of, of my writing style on this record, like the longer songs, the layering of guitars, the more sounds I brought in, uh, some of the ambience, and just I, I, I took it in a different direction a, a little bit than the band had been in the past. And I think with the change up of vocalists uh, that happened, you know, I think it was I think it was, it was needed in a lot of ways. It was needed uh, just because you know I, I I don't feel the same way I, I felt about metal and certain types of metal that I did when I, you know, when I was an angsty teenage into my early twenties kid, you know, young adult, I, I, I was more into thrash and death metal and more extreme stuff and more just, I was, you know, I was, I was a kid, I was juvenile and I was more aggressive and angry and I wasn't as much into subtlety and, uh, and didn't, couldn't appreciate songwriting in a way I can now. So to just, just sort of beat a dead horse and pretend to be the same people we were when we started this band, you know, as ourselves and literally as a unit would just be, you know, fooling ourselves and, and lying to ourselves. And, and, you know, I think that would resu- would have resulted in a, a worse record and, and worse artists who had just pretended to be the same man literally as members, you know, pretend that the new guy is the same as the old guy and keep things the same. So, yeah, so we, we there was a, a huge shift there with, with the personnel, uh, uh, and with you know with with writing duties, I just it wasn't really something we discussed. And my Nate and I had a lot. Our other guitarists are kind of that we are the main songwriters and we're the two original members. We've been doing this since the beginning, so uh, you know we have some, we certainly had some 
interesting and difficult conversations once we kicked out Nate's brother, Chance, our former singer, for his uh, you know awful behavior and a multitude of things, really. That uh, uh, and so you know that's not an easy thing to do, especially if you know anybody has been a band for that long, but especially for Nate because that's his brother, and you know. Um, I mean, I think that also speaks to Nate's dedication to the band, but also perhaps to just how awful um, Chance's behavior had become. That you know, Nate, Nate was like, "Look, I, I understand that this we can't be in a in a band with this with this guy anymore. I get it, even though he's my brother. This is tough." And so we had some tough decisions. And then as we moved forward, I, I sort of, there was sort of a, a gap, and uh, like I guess it was difficult at first for Nate to get writing again because you know he because things had changed so much. So I sort of stepped up and, and filled in that gap until he sort of got, got his, his writing legs again. And I ended up sort of altering the, the sound of things. And uh, yeah, it seems to be the response is, is great. I mean, there's certainly a few thrash maniacs doing the same thing again, but you know, that bothers me little to none. Um, the response, especially in Europe has been overwhelming as well, where the, 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 I think we finally are turning a corner over there where we're getting a little more respect right. and more seen as more, more legitimate, more, you know, uh, someone said, I, I don't know if this might be a stretch, but one, one journalist said that, uh, you know, you guys went from just like entertainers to artists with this record in my, in their opinion, this is an Italian journalist. Yeah. So I, I, can see I, I that, think I definitely. know what he means. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So, and, and in, in a lot of ways, there is more of a, and I don't take this the wrong way. Cause I think it's a good thing, but there is more, I would say of an artsy, sound there at times and you mentioned the the soundscaping and it, were there other m- different types of music you were listening to that influenced the sound of this record oh yeah absolutely uh, I, you know i still listen to some metal and i keep it I, I try to you know keep an eye on what's coming out and and keep my ear to the ground so to speak because you know we're swimming in those waters and it just behooves me to know what's going on and i still enjoy it to a degree but I would say the majority of my listening habits are non-metal, and particularly for this record, some of the stuff I was really listening to a lot while writing uh, writing this record was a lot of free jazz. Um, wow, uh, I okay. really, really got deep into Pharaoh Sanders and Don Cherry and Ornette Coleman and and uh, a lot of these American free jazz artists, and that was a huge, huge thing. And I also got much, much deeper into composers and soundtrack work and, and minimalist composers like you know some of the, the more obvious ones would be like philip glass or you know steve rice or the, those guys um i mean i became a huge uh, uh fan of this guy uh ryuichi sakamoto he's a he does a soundtrack to the red man which is kind of his most popular recent thing but he's a, a an awesome ambient and noise artist who puts out records solo records and he also scores films and plays art exhibits and stuff so i've I've been a huge music nerd for a very long time. And, and in a lot of ways it hasn't really manifested itself in, in our band until the EP before this record. And then this record, when I really sort of asserted myself creatively and, right. and stepped up. So it's, and it's not to say that, like, I mean, I understand what, I, what I'm saying might sound ridiculous. I'm not saying that we sound like those artists, but I am saying that you can, you know, in the same way that you can see a film or, or, or read a great book and then be inspired to write a song, you can, music doesn't have to translate literally. Like I listen to Pharaoh Sanders. So I try to emulate Pharaoh Sanders. You can still be inspired and reach for different textures or sounds or ideas, or think about composing in different ways or layering, you know, sounds or dynamics in different ways from stuff too. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to suggest that it sounds like those things, but I would 
certainly suggests for a fact that that's that's what I was listening to incessantly in between writing sessions for for this record. It had a, it did a definite in, impact on me for sure. Right. And, and when did Adam actually come into the the fold with you guys? Oh, let's see. I'm so bad with I'm so bad with time. So see, he just, let me see. We put out his first release. With, this is his, Devouring Radiant Light is his first full length release with us. But the first thing he did with us was an EP called The Apothic Gloom. And let me see uh, when that came out. I'm, I'm, I'm Googling our own uh, releases. Let's see, that came out in April. It came out in August of 2016. So I'm joined sometime, I want to say, in late 2015 or early 2016 then. And had you and known then, him ahead of time? Yeah, yeah, we, we had. Um, he He's... He's the vocalist in a band called Wolfhammer from uh, Minneapolis, which is where he lives. And he's he was in a band called Veil vale of Maya for a little while as well as their singer. And we, we toured with him in both, uh, uh, actually both of those bands, uh, throughout the years in different you know different times for different lengths of time. And so we already knew him as a, as a great vocalist. There's there's no doubt about that because we you know we'd watched him perform. And then in addition to that, yeah, we having spent time with him on the road in his band. You know, we knew he was a really solid person, like a really nice guy. Um, you know, being from Minnesota, he shares a sort of a similar. He has that Midwestern politeness. You know, almost too nice. Uh, he's a he's a real sweet guy and like real considerate and fun and, and easy to tour with. And that's equally important for a band like us who historically has been on the road a lot to, you know, to have a unit that, that gets along well and, and, and gels and, and having kicked the guy out of the band, we know how bad it can get. We went from a band that was, it was all fun and we enjoyed it to where it got really, really negative and dark and weird and, and finally getting, you know, uh, it was stopping that situation and removing the, the, the negative influence from the band. You know, we thought we're not, we're not going back to that place again. So, it's important for us that we knew he was a, a good human being on top of it. So yeah, we had a long history with him and it was a no brainer. It's been great. Cool. Well, that's great to hear. And it sounds like emotionally the band is in a much better place. You know, I, I read the pitchfork article that was just did a really good job and kind of explaining everything that went down with, with your former vocalists and, uh, you guys left him chance behind basically in, in the hotel in, in Massachusetts and you continued the tour without him. You play, you just continued on playing instrumental, which I think is, is really incredible. Was there a point when that tour ended where you were like, Hey, the band's done, you know, this isn't happening anymore. Or did you know, when you were out there playing these instrumental shows with no vocalists, did you, did you have a feeling, Hey, we, we're going to keep this going. Like what, what was your thoughts about the band and the future of the band at that time? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, no, I don't think anybody, it, it was, the future was in jeopardy to be sure, but I don't think, I know at that point, no one, no one was saying, all right, we're, when we get home from this, you know, we're done. I think the, the, the decision to to do those shows instrumentally uh was that right there i think was was our decision to continue the band if we were just going to stop you know it we why even bother finishing those shows right, I mean, right. you know it was, a, it was another week of shows and then, of course there's a little bit of money for for playing for, for performing but it's nothing that's that insane that we you know oh well, if we don't do these we're gonna go you know we're gonna go belly up or something if the whole thing was gonna be done i think we would have just folded then so the decision to continue 
that tour was the decision to continue the band, but what was in jeopardy was how we would do it. Would we get somebody else? Um, you know, I don't know if Nate had notions of, of maybe trying to repair things uh, initially, you know, until Evan and I voiced our, our, our opinions of, you know, we cannot and will not work with this guy because his behavior, uh, you know, you can't walk back what you've done. And, and he crossed the moral line for, for Evan and I, and I think for Nate as well. So, it was uncertainty, but I think we knew we were going to continue. And then, and when we when we did get home, you know, Nate and I did have some conversations about, you know, should we continue? But I think I think looking back, like I said, the decision to do, finish that tour was out of local. So I think that right there, we knew we were going to keep going, even if we right. had to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. So it took a minute. It took a minute to regroup and and get it together. But I would I would also you know I would argue that it's for the best. I think if things continued, and even if personalities and and even if no, even if someone hadn't acted horribly, I still think that the band creatively, you know, if, if everyone was behaving properly and not, you know, if nothing bad had happened, I still think that creatively, it, with the the way things were run and, and structured, wouldn't have sustained a lot of growth and longevity because I, I think I would have burnt out on what we were doing and and this was a much needed thing for the growth of the band in a lot right. of ways. And you can hear that growth again, guys, on this brilliant new record, Devouring Radiant Light by Skeleton Witch. We're talking with Scott from the band. And you guys are playing some shows with System of a Down. And I must say that I almost feel like with this new record, like before this new record, you know, before your kind of redirection musically, that that would have probably made less sense to me. But hearing where you guys are at with, with things musically now, I still think it's an, an interesting match, but I, it almost makes a little more sense to me. Is that something you could see too? Yeah, I could see that. I, yeah, I think what we're doing now meshes better maybe than just the more straightforward thrash type stuff. And, you know, I, I always personally enjoy a good mixed bill of bands. You know, I'm not... I get, I get bored when say there's a there's a, a one note sort of lineup you know there's 10 death metal bands it's a right. death metal extravaganza like oh god that's that sounds horrible <laughs> i don't want to go <laughs> i don't want to pay to be subjected to that for you know eight hours or something right. it's like pay me that sounds like a day of work like shit you know maybe one or two of my favorite death metal bands but uh so i, I think it's cool that they're that they're presenting a diverse lineup i mean at the driving is on it as well right right um it's, it's, it, yeah, which is another a band that was that I I really really loved their album Relationship of Command. And, um, it's funny too because like teenage me loves this lineup more than I know because when I was like, sixteen, like 15, maybe fifteen years old, I my dad I didn't I couldn't drive. My dad dropped my friend and I off to a show where we saw uh, Mr. Bungle, System of a Down. And uh, I forget who else was on that bill. And then within that same, you know, maybe a few months later, I went and saw at the drive-in and the Murder City Devils in Cleveland. And uh, needless to say, those were two like really formative shows for me as a, as a you know, a 14 or 15 year old. Right. And so to be play, playing, you know, some shows with them is, is, is great. And the reason we're doing it is be, like the reason we got asked is that Shavo, the bassist for System of a Down, really likes our band. Oh, cool. And, yeah, he'd been talking. He'd been uh, sort of posting about us on his social media, talking about us. And uh, uh, an endorser hit me up and said, "Hey, like from a string company." He said, "Hey, you know, Salvo from System of a Down seems to really love you guys. We had him at some event. He was just telling everybody about you." 
and I looked online and sure enough, he was posting about us and stuff. So I reached out to him and sent him, you know, some, some vinyl and like a t-shirt and stuff. And we, it, when that, once I ended up moving out here to LA, we got in touch and we, we, um, you know, he just would text me now and then about different, about music or this or that. And we sort of became like, you know, just occasional texters, uh, you know, like he'd ask me about certain riffs or things or a song. And it was really funny that the guy from Cisco down is like, dude, who wrote this riff or this song is like, <laughs> oh, this song's awesome. That's you know, great. It was really funny. I mean, he, yeah. One day he texted me and said, you know, give me, give me a ring. And I called him up and he, uh, he said, Hey, you want to play some shows with us and at the drive-in? I said, yes, I do. And, he said, all right, I'll have the, the management and the agents and everything do all their stuff then and we'll, we'll let them sort it out. But like, welcome aboard. And that's awesome. We are. Wow, know. that's awesome. Yeah, and, it's an old-fashioned thing. I mean, oh, okay, yeah, that doesn't happen very much, you know, anymore. It's most, I mean, it's unfortunate, but a lot of tours are put together by, you know, one band or another. There's a lot of lobbying to get bands involved. There's a lot of, I mean, this is no, this is no shock to anyone, but not every tour is just pieced together because the bands whose tour it is likes every band and really wants them on it. They are often right. brought a list of bands and told like, you should get these guys. They'll bring in heads to the show. You know, they're, you know, an up and coming band, you know, there's a lot of influence and bullshit involved. And it's really cool when a dude from a, a band such as, you know, that a band like system over down is just like, dude, your band's cool. You want to play some shows? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's <laughs> that, amazing. That never happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really cool. So that, 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 that means a lot that, that, they're, they're that size of a band and they're still willing to do something like that. Now, is Dustin playing drums on on the the new album or is who's handling the percussion? <clears throat> yeah, Dustin played drums on the, on the record. Uh, and then <clears throat> drumming for us right now is like, so Dustin played on the record, but he had a lot of, uh, he had various personal issues he needed to take care of and had his, his he kind of, he had, he had a lot going on and he, and he and us like agreed together. We were like, dude, you got, you know, the road is not the place for you to sort of right. get your life in order. And, uh, and, and so we, we need to grab somebody else to, to tour and do these things and, and you need to focus on yourself. And he agreed to hunt 100%. We're still, we still talk to him. We're still buddies, you know, check in and see how he's doing. So, uh, yeah, he unfortunately is not playing with us anymore. So on, uh, on this one, I should the system over down. Our friend John uh, Rice is playing with us, and he's he played with a lot of different bands. Um, he he was the original and still is the drummer for Job for a Cowboy when and if they play shows again. But he also filled in for Behemoth's drummer on uh, uh, the tour when Behemoth uh, opened for Slayer. Okay, like sometime this cool. past year, and he's done a lot of like pretty high profile gigs. He's yeah, that was recently. Drummer. I just saw that. That was like this past summer, right? Yeah, 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 this yeah. Past summer he cool. was. Yep, he you couldn't tell because he he had all the makeup and stuff on. You know, they did him up to look like a behemoth member. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, the drum. The drummer's wife was having a baby, I think, and he stayed behind in Poland to to be there for it. And so, yeah, so he's an incredible drummer and really nice guy. Another Midwesterner. He's a uh, <laughs> when we, he was he moved down. He was in Pittsburgh at the time. He's a big hockey guy and the Midwest dude, and like just a, just a sweetheart of a guy and. and a, ridiculous drummer so we're lucky to have him on board for for you know when we can get, when we can have him because he's always doing a lot of stuff so we'll see we'll see about the future but at least we're, we're set for now 
cool. Well, Scott, it's been great talking with you, and it seems like it's really a, a new chapter for Skeleton Witch, and I'm excited by what you guys are doing and what lies ahead for you. You're doing some touring in Europe uh, in early 2019, is that right? Uh, yeah, actually, late uh, 2018. Okay. We will be over there from yeah mid-November to mid-December, and then it, nothing is announced yet, but this spring, like uh, April, May, we're doing a U.S. headlining tour. It looks like so. You know, oh, excellent! Keep an eye out for that. We should be having dates posted soon. Yeah, yeah. So cool. it's about time. We need to we need to do some more U.S. dates. So that's coming. So, Mark, right I appreciate your time though. Thank you for having me and, and, and talking to me about our band and everything. It's it, it's very much appreciated. Well, I appreciate you talking with us too, and the best of luck with uh, your System of a Down shows. Those sound really great. Good luck with that. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Okay, keep in touch.
right, guys. Skeleton Witch. That song right there, The Vault, off the great, great record, Devouring Radiant Light by Skeleton Witch. I've been listening to this on YouTube music, and it just is a fantastic listen. We've all found ourselves down a rabbit hole on YouTube. There's so much music to discover there. You can spend hours exploring new songs and artists. And now there's an app, actually, that makes it so much easier. YouTube Music is a brand new music streaming service combining everything you'd expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to bring it all to life. YouTube Music makes it easy to find the music you're looking for, official albums, singles, music videos, live performances, even covers and remixes. Remixes, uh, And, you know, this is really cool because if you don't know the song's name, you can actually go in there and search it by the lyrics and it'll come right up. It's it's that easy. Great stuff. And with YouTube Music Premium, it gets even better. Get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while using other apps, finally. Enjoy your music wherever you want it, even when you're offline. Come on, guys, let's let's step it up for YouTube Music, a great, great place. We all love YouTube and YouTube Music. You're going to love it once you try it. I suggest the premium. You can download the new music YouTube app. Uh, it's just try it out. 30 days free. If you like it, you can then enjoy music for just $9.99 per month. Terms and restrictions apply. YouTube Music, it's all here. Now, back to Mark and John at... The bar 7B, located on Avenue B and 7th Street in the East Village, New York City. NYC, baby. And that's about going to do it for today's show, John. Uh, can we end with some more Todd Youth? We should end with some more Todd Youth. Now, and unfortunately, Chrome Locus is not available. All right, so let's I know. That. Yeah. that would be nice. You want to do his most recent thing that he did with Nick Oliveri, a little blood clot? Let's do that blood blood stuff. Cool. This is Slow Kill Genocide, and it is by the band Blood Clot, which featured another Talking Metal alumni, if you will. Nick Oliveri. Nick Oliveri from Queens of the Stone Age and Caius, among many other things. Mondo Generator. Love Mondo Generator. Anyways, that's going to do it. It's uh, always a pleasure hanging out with you, John. It is only 1025. I feel like it's 3 in the morning. Well, I feel like it's like, uh, you know, 4 a.m. right now, believe it or not. Yeah. And, yeah. Mark, I'm glad to be here with you tonight yes. paying tribute to one of my best friends ever, a guy that I admired so much. And he admired you, man. He trusted you. Thank I you. I will say that. Thank you. I really appreciate that, and, and I re- really appreciate you saying that. And um, I'm honored that I had a chance to work with a musician as great as Todd Youth. Yes. And, guys, this guy goes into all his history. I think it's a fantastic interview that John and I did with him not that long ago, really. And it's up on YouTube. I'm going to put it in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Go learn about Todd Youth because, again, this interview we did with him, John, it's fantastic. It really is a great watch. So, uh pay Todd Youth some respect. If you don't know who he is, go watch this interview. If you do know who he is, you're going to love this interview. Um, And rest in peace, Todd Youth. Thank you, guys. This is a little Todd Youth with blood clot, slow kill genocide. Thank you, brother. I love you.